0: Bag is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Your data is your business. Protect it with ExpressVPN for three extra months free with a one-year package. Go to the link listed in my Twitter profile. Okay. AEW Full Gear was a couple nights ago with me to talk about it. Once again, Kate Hensler, you're back.
1: I'm back and I'm so excited we're talking about this and not any ties that may have happened in football. Uh, let's talk oh. about full gear instead. I don't wanna acknowledge that that happened ever there
0: there are reports that the Steelers played this weekend. I I I don't know. I've I blocked Sunday out of my head, out of anyway, my brain. Yeah. I, I don't think, yeah. Yeah,
1: no, it was a buy. It was a buy. In it, my was head. A buy. it was a buy. They had the buy. As far yeah. as I'm concerned, because oh, I refuse to acknowledge boy. that that happened, but full gear rolled, so we can at least talk about full what happened Saturday.
0: Full, full gear rolled. Um, yeah, I wish I wish the Steelers were as good as anything in AEW. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll I'll have I'll, I'll try to come up with a comparison of what the Steelers would be like if they were an AEW uh personality. But if I, to describe. Full gear, I think for me, the one word I would use to describe it is solid. It was just like nothing I don't want to say not so spectacular because there was a lot of spectacular things that happened, but it was just really good wrestling matches. Yeah. And that's what we want. That's what we, you know. Thank goodness there's a company that actually like tries to have, you know, real stories and real matches and and conclusions of those matches. What what, what did you think of Full Gear?
1: So I had put it like, I thought that the last card for all out was a very good card with a ton of surprises and moments where I felt like this card was a great card with less surprises and like right. moments. Like nothing's going right. to top having Brian Daniels and an Adam Cole come out at the end of one pay-per-view. Right. But to mm-hmm. your point, like, Man, textbook wrestling is so simple if you just stick to the fundamentals and you put on a great show. And what continues to impress me about AEW, especially these past couple pay-per-views is one, their sequencing of the card. People underestimate this so much is very well done. No back-to-back matches felt the same where there's a couple of you switched them around, they would kind of feel the same. Like you did not want Danielson and Miro going on with the main event story that they told because they were both kind of slower and plotting to start like they're, they're so good at how they organize their matches. And the other great thing that AEW does consistently is for the most part, they give us really, really long pay-per-views, but there's not like a ton of matches that feel like a waste of time. There was two that I kind of probably could have done without overall, but nothing like, that felt detrimental to the card. Like they gave us so much solid professional wrestling for such a sustainable length of time. And I really think that goes to the credit of doing four pay-per-views a year with like these specials that they kind of work in and out. Like Arthur S certainly felt like a pay-per-view things like that, but I'm just consistently impressed by the density of the card and how much of it is great.
0: You kind of know that going in because we've seen several AEW pay-per-views that it's going to go kind of long, but it ended up being, you know, if you, if you, if you do the eight o'clock start time, it ended about, I don't know, 1215, 12, 1230 12, in the morning not too bad, but you're right. Too much of a good thing is, is not good. You know, when they had those one night WrestleManias that were like eight, nine hours, it's too much. It's, it's, it's ridiculous.
1: I was there so, for one of them. I know.
0: Oh <laughs> my goodness.
1: The I, last I, one that they did in Jersey, I, I can't believe I went to WrestleMania and forget it. I'm pretty sure it was 36, but my mind goes blank on the numbers because I think of the moments and things, but what happened was they had told New Jersey Transit they were going to end, uh, I think, at like 1130. And they ended up ending at one in the morning. And those right. are unionized workers. So there was a huge disaster with people who came over from oh. New York City trying to get back, people trying to go other places in Jersey. It was a disaster. But to your point, yeah, those like those incredible cards, like those super cards, you're there for a full work day, So it feels like a lot and you can get great match fatigue. Like that's what happens is you might have a great match and it's like the fourth or fifth best match on the card. And it's still a phenomenal match, but you do get in danger sometimes of things, I think getting lost in the shuffle, but I feel like the stories that were told here and the styles of matches were so different that like, Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk felt so different from Miro and Danielson felt so different from MJF and Darby Allen that like, this was a really great example of how to diversify your card in that, in that same light.
0: You're right. Order is so important. It is, it is so important. So let's talk about these matches. First of all, the, um, the, the buying or whatever, uh, before we talk about the actual match uh, in the buy in, Tony Giovanni uh, talked to, oh, what's his face? Um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank and I can't find it. Uh, Dante Martin. Yes. And uh, it was just very amusing. The acclaim comes out and basically tells them that he needs to join them. And they do it by insulting him and everybody he knows. <laughs> <laughs> they need to work on their recruitment technique. Uh, that was, that was, I thought that was amusing. Like I, I, I when, when the acclaimed isn't saying horrible things, uh, horribly offensive things, I think they're very entertaining.
1: They're great. Um, I'm spoiled because we had Anthony Bowens here on the Indies for a while. He's from New Jersey. He's a Seton Hall alum, which is where I went to school as well. He also was Montclair, but I set that aside because I like taking credit for Anthony Bowens. So, and I feel like, especially for him, like what he can do in the ring and how much fun he is kind of in this hype man role has really come to light of recent. Like it's so much fun to see him get the credit. Whereas before and nothing, nothing against Max Taster. He's great, but like, you know, he's the guy. He's kind of the focal point of that act. So seeing a little spotlight shed on Bowen, seeing his match with Brian Danielson a couple of weeks ago was great. But I agree with you. I love this story that everybody suddenly wants Dante Martin and we still have his brother kind of waiting in the wings somewhere. Right. So I, it's fun. It's like, it's so obvious that he's a standout talent. It's like, well, I can buy that story because. Why wouldn't everybody want Dante Martin as a part of their stable, their tag team, whatever? Like he's grown so much in this time as a singles competitor that, like, he's so great. You, it's very easy to buy into the story that everybody would want him on their team. Because why wouldn't you? Uh,
0: If he just ends up being a team with Leo Rush, I just want to see more Leo Rush wrestling because he is amazing. Uh, I mean, so
1: great. So happy to see him healthy and feeling situated, like situated and where he's at. He's had a lot of physical issues, a lot of mental health issues, which he's been very open about. People got kind of fatigued on him retiring and coming back. Like, I don't feel that way. I feel like anytime Leo rushes in the ring, I'm a happy gal. I think people underestimate just how fucking hard wrestling is like mentally and physically, what that does to you. Um, so I'm I'm very glad to see that he seems to be in a place where things are good. I know he wasn't at the pay-per-view because his grandma passed away, unfortunately, but um it's it's nice to see somebody happy and healthy who's so great at what they do, doing great things.
0: He's amazing in the ring. And yeah, even when they did a little rap, they referenced like, oh, he's gonna retire again, like 15 times. Like, oh yeah. okay. <laughs> cute all right uh jamie Hader, nyla rose versus thunder rosa and akaru shida i mean there really was no reason for this but just to have these four uh go out there i'm i'll I'll be happy to see thunder rosa and and, uh shida do anything so yeah I'm, i'm cool this was
1: fine um you know there's the the tournament stories that are kind of continuing over here i kind of wish that they had flipped this and maybe put the cody Rhodes, uh pack and andrade that match on the pre-show i think that would have been better for two reasons one i think the buy-in you're trying to get people to still actually buy the pay-per-view and having those names that are so recognizable is a good way to do that and two I've talked at a on a million podcasts about the lack of women's representation on these 9 million hour shows. Right. Um, you had one other women's match. It would have been nice to see it, especially when you do have a prominently featured tournament that's ongoing. Like that story is not going to get people to buy your pay-per-view at all likelihood, because like, just you're entering the story. That's the middle of a tournament. Like that doesn't necessarily play out, but as far as the actual match goes, some rough spots I felt like with Nyla Rose, Thunder Rosa absolutely planting Jamie Hader two weeks in a row with her crossbody off the top rope is one of my favorite spots at wrestling right now. And yeah, to, to your point, like Sheeta and Thunder Rosa in the ring at any point, like I'm a happy gal too. So this next was perfectly serviceable. It got me excited. I was, uh, I did the movie theater gimmick for this one. So that was really, really fun. That was like when the tone started to kind of change in the movie theater was when this match set. So I was sitting there with my blue slushy and my popcorn. I was a very happy gal.
0: Wait, you watched <laughs> You watched this in a movie theater?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, so you don't know about this. They are running AEW pay-per-views at movie theaters right now. And this was my first time that I tried it out because my friend who I normally watch it with had to work. It's really, 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 really fun. I can't say enough about it to be with a bunch of other wrestling fans that are reacting like you're a live crowd not reacting like you're in a movie theater so i would definitely recommend it if it's in a theater near you like it's so much fun. i
0: had no idea this was a thing yeah. I, would, I hope it's it's where i live that is really cool you could you get to watch it with fans on a big screen that's really cool
1: like everybody in the theater did the adam cole baby like it's so much fun (laughs) to be watching with other wrestling fans and it made the main event really fun too because that story's been building so long that everybody's so emotionally invested oh my god i I can't recommend it enough it was a real
0: blast i had no idea that was a thing i gotta check that out i I hope hope that's a thing around here uh Darby Allen versus MJF was the the, the first uh, match of the uh, when the pay per view started. We knew this was going to be good. I, I guess there's some debate whether MJF is actually a good wrestler. I I didn't know that was a thing. I, he's not just a he's not just a guy that talks. He can actually wrestle too. Um, this was just we knew it was going to be good. It, it was good.
1: I thought this this surprised me. I knew it was going to be good, but because. A, I'm just such an Eddie Kingston and CM Punk mark. Like I was so hyped about that match and the main event going into this, that this like kind of, this one fell down my radar as far as stories that I was really excited about and might've been my match of the night. There were so many incredible spots in this. Um, I think with MJF, my co-host at Fightful put this really well on on their review show and that they said, I think the reason you have MJF fight so rarely on your aw dynamite and rampages is because he's really great at this and he's such a jerk that you don't want to root for him and you don't want people to start respecting how good he actually is in the ring and with a smarter more dull audience there's people that are going to realize things like how much he protected darby Allin in this match right a few spots the um I think it was a pile driver on the apron. There was a suicide dive where Darby Allen actually looks like he's trying to kill himself every time he takes one of those. And MJF protects the hell out of him. So that was a really good point that I hadn't thought of from them, which is that's why you see him so rarely. I don't know if it's that he's not that great of a wrestler or if it's just, he doesn't wrestle that often. And that's a really, really acceptable reason as to why, in my opinion, like, and he's super young, keep those bump cards down. If you can Right? he talks a lot of trash. It's great. Yeah. Um, so many spots in this match that impressed the hell out of me. And I just loved the story here, especially the spot where MJF went to get Darby Allen's skateboard and he realized like maybe I can't beat this guy. Maybe I can get into his head the story that I'm gonna try and defeat him mentally by getting him to disqualify himself by using that skateboard. I thought was great. And of course, being the heel that he is, he ultimately cheats to get the win. But just so many really, really wonderful spots here and We saw some actual technical wrestling from both of them, which I really loved. Like, I think a lot of times when wrestlers lean into one style or the other Darby Allen being such a high risk guy, you forget that these guys got trained. They know how to wrestle. They know how to lock up. They, they know what they're doing in there. We saw a lot of that. So I just really appreciated how complete the story was. And I, for some reason in my head, just assumed it was going to be Miro and Danielson opening up the pay-per-view so this immediately caught my attention that way too. I was very, very impressed by this match and I loved the way it, it ultimately culminated.
0: Very interesting. Yeah, And I, I did uh, see that that Fightful uh, uh, recap and uh, they mentioned that that Darby needs a win and I disagree. I think MJF needs a win. Darby, I don't think really, he's he's foolproof. He really doesn't need to win matches. He's just so over. But MJF, just for the gimmick, he kind of needs to, you know, he needs to, to win for the very few times he does wrestle.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think, It's tricky because there's two guys that you're literally calling the four pillars of the company in this match, right? So you kind of want both of them to win just for that reason. I'm with you. I liked MJF going over here. I can understand that about Darby Allen though, because he dropped the TNT title, went into some stuff where he was partnering with Sting, lost to CM Punk in the debut, which we knew was going to happen and should have happened. And then loses again here. I understand the idea that um, you want to start to build him back up soon where does he go next? I, you know, I'm, I don't hate the idea of him and Ricky Starks on my screen by any mean. And I think that's a feud that he could definitely win that we could see maybe a couple matches out of. Um, so I, I, I get both sides of that coin where I think, you know, if Darby Allen sneaks a win here, it's huge that he got a win against MJF where MJF being kind of an assumed winner because he has been undefeated for so long um, or mostly not defeated. Um, I i think I I like the booking because I think Darby Allen's just gonna be over no matter what he does. But I get both sides of that coin where it's like as far as actual wins on paper goes, they should probably start swinging Darby Allen back up soon because he's lost a few of these.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um if they did a tag team of Darby and Sting versus MJF and Wardlow, I would love that. I, just anything involving MJF and Sting would be amazing
1: i don't hate that idea yeah. i do i do think sooner rather than later um we might see a Wardlow face turn like just seeing his squash win the other day some of their interactions of recent and just the fact that he was a hired gun for mjf and now mjf has the pinnacle like i think that would be a a great multi-match feud maybe for wardlow versus mjf um but yeah I, I, you want to give me that you want to put mjf and sting in the ring at the same time i'm not mad about it
0: <laughs> they, they, they've been doing those subtle teases of this Wardlow face term for months now so yeah let's let's see yeah, that happen yeah. uh, uh lucha bros versus ftr this is another one we knew it was going to be good uh if F, F, ftr coming out with that that music kind of sounds like the midnight express theme if they want to be the new midnight express i'm all for it i think that yeah. would be awesome they're such
1: a they're just such a everybody says it too like but it's true They're such a throwback like yes. i've been on a really big mid-80s uh nwa kick and i'm like god they they feel like they walked out of that era like it's so much fun. I love that remix theme. that's a hundred percent what they were going for. They're just really, there's a few things with them that are incredibly apparent. One, their versatility is up there with any tag team, like of all time. I feel like they can get in the ring with anybody and make them look good and make them make sense. They're so great at that young bucks, Lucha brothers. You can put them in the ring with bear country. One of my favorite dark matches today to date, uh, was FTR versus LSG and Lee Moriarty, who they hadn't worked with at all before. And it was such a good match because they do so many smart things from a ring psychology standpoint that make the story make sense, which, you know, if there's a criticism on not so much luchador wrestling, but the flippy do stuff is usually that why would you go to the rope and do something that looks like it could be done off of a diving board and of Just go for the pin there. Right. Which right. I completely understand, but FTR just has this incredible ability to bridge the gap for that newer style of wrestling with what they do. I'm continually impressed by how they continue to marry that this match was phenomenal. I didn't like love the finish because I'm getting very tired of incompetent referees and in matches in AEW being like a continued story that we're always getting. <sighs> And to have a masked wrestler who, granted, is a part of a tag team, but has tattoos and long hair, be confused by This is like twin magic after Nikki Bella got implants. Like, you can tell the difference between the two of them, okay? Like, let's relax with that. So, um, you know, I just wish for such a great match that they had just a better finish. I don't think there's anything, I guess... See, I'm now I'm handcuffing myself because they do have the AAA titles and they are going to defend them. And I hate when champions lose going into major matches and when they lose clean, especially because it just makes no sense to me when you can literally control the outcome. But this is tricky because they're defending titles that are not AEW titles, right? Um, But I don't think you have anything to lose by having FTR lose clean here. I love the idea of the Lucha brothers going over because they've now beaten the Bucks and FTR who I think are widely regarded as the best tag teams in the company. And, um, you know, one thing AEW does extremely well is protected losses and that losing doesn't necessarily mean that you've really lost anything in AEW. Um, sometimes they go maybe overkill with that, It's rare, but like this one, I think a clean finish would have just been better than having the schmazy finish. But as far as the match quality goes, I mean, some of the stuff that the Lucha Brothers, especially Phoenix, continue to do, I don't understand physically how that and gravity coexist in the same ring. Like, it just continues to blow my mind. And the collision of styles here, I I just can't say enough about it. What a fantastic match.
0: It's like... Yeah, it's like Ray Phoenix is is on another planet or something like that. He just moves differently than any other human. It's 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 amazing, and that's that's the cool thing is you know yes, there AEW loves their tag teams and they do them very well, but on a lot of those teams, the individuals could easily become single stars. On each of these teams, Ray Phoenix can become a single star, and and uh, uh, any of the members of FDR could become a good single star.
1: Yeah, I think when uh, Dax Harwood had his match last week, it opened a lot of people's eyes to man, like FTR, you don't view them as individuals because they're right. such a because they're such a good team. Yeah. Yeah. And Phoenix, you saw have, I mean, him versus Omega in singles matches were like it, Phoenix anytime he's in the ring regardless of the context you're in, it's going to be a match of the year candidate. Like it's just absolutely ridiculous. So he kind of had like a singles ring when Penta was out and vice versa because Phoenix was injured too, but you could do a full on, and they hinted at this a little bit, but you could do a six month brother versus brother feud with either one of these teams. You could have them go on to do whatever you wanted, but yeah, Dax is such a great talker and such a, a great, like, this is where old school wrestling is great. When you do stuff that makes sense so consistently, it's going to make the story that's unfolding make sense. Right. So
0: right.
1: you can do that in a single situation or attack situation. It doesn't really matter because everything you're, every action you take is intending to tell the story that you're there to tell. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it is. It is. Uh, Brian Danielson versus Miro. This is another one. Like it's just you're just so looking forward to this. And it it delivered. It 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 delivered. I I thought it was very good.
1: And again, going back to match sequencing, you get someone as high energy as the Lucha Brothers in the Ring. They intentionally had this be a little bit of a roller coaster. This match started a lot slower, a much slower burn into it. And then when it picked up, boy, did it pick up. I loved so much about this match—it's hard to believe that, like, and I—I I try not to be like WWE versus AEW girl, but like the caliber of what we saw here, with how many years that they did overlap in WWE, it's kind of surprising that you didn't see um, something a little bit juicier between the two of them there. Like, this feels like such an obvious thing with the height differential, and I mean the overall size differential, to be honest and just stylistically what they can do. I just loved so much about this match. I loved the story they told of Danielson just kind of trying to constantly climb this mountain. I love what they did with Miro's finisher with how much Brian Danielson knew, like, if I get in that finisher, I'm completely screwed. And then he breaks out of it. And Miro's looking to his God as if his God (laughs) betrayed him so much, like, These are just two seasoned veteran, experienced professional wrestlers who went out there and put on an incredible match. The ending was a little bit clumsy. There was like a DDT off the top rope, but it just didn't even matter that much to me. Danielson getting the win here. This match also was really fun where I felt like this card was a little bit more predictable with great match quality. This one was one I truly felt could go either way. Like you could tell the story of Miro winning here, eventually losing to Hangman Adam Page and then going absolutely ballistic wondering why god for forsaken him losing both title shots um or losing his title and the world title shot or you could have Brian Danielson, one of the best wrestlers in the world, if not the best wrestler in the world, going on to face Hangman, his I'm assuming Hangman's going to win there. Brian Danielson's first loss in the company is for the title. It doesn't have to be clear heel and clear face. Like you can just do one of the best in the world to ever do this versus your champion. Like that's going to be awesome. So I, I love this from front to back and having booking that could go either way, I thought was really great. And this did cast a little bit of doubt. I think we all knew hangman was going over, but the possibility of Kenny winning, and then you get Danielson Omega round two for um a title is something that would also be an incredible story so this did at least cast a little bit of doubt on the main event though i think we all knew what way that main event was going
0: (laughs) uh it's, it's just amazing how what they've done with Miro, because from when he started in AEW, that horrible gimmick with, you know, being the best man or best friend or whatever, whatever crap that was. And then they just totally turn it around to, be, and to just make him the unstoppable monster that he is. And I mean, this loss really does not hurt him at all.
1: No, this is a loss. That's just going to be a great character development. And this really happened for me during the TNT title run, like I've, I've said a few times that like, I think a a great mark of a successful title run is, does the title feel incredibly important after this title run? And does the character feel incredibly important after this title run? If you're doing it right, one of those things is extremely true. And one of those things is pretty true to me, this title run, both of those things felt extremely true. I think that title run solidified the TNT championship, which felt great in Darby's hands, but was like a little bit more of a device, I think, to continue to capitalize on Darby's momentum. This built Miro in AEW as an absolute monster of a competitor. The title feels important. Miro feels like one of the top guys in the company. It is kind of funny because everyone wants to talk about what they did with Rusev and how bad that was. And it's like, well, no, I felt like that opening character and that it, part of it was just that angle went on way 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 too long um but like it was like nobody did right by him in WWE and those first few months that he was in AEW I didn't feel like that they were doing that great of a job this is the mirror we always knew was there and I just love it I love the comedic wink and nods to his hot flexible wife I love all of this like this has been such a fantastic <laughs> run and he's just putting on such incredible matches my only concern was I, my guess is, and this might have even played into the booking, he looks like he might have had a real injury because he had one thigh taped up and it was not the thigh that uh, Brian Danielson was going after, if you noticed. Like, he extensively taped up and it looked like a brace behind it. And Danielson never went for that. And I was like, okay, well, that's either because he's a super baby face and he's not going to be that guy. He's not going to be the guy that goes for the weakness already or that's a shoe injury. So, um, and maybe not a severe one, but like if Miro goes away for a little bit and comes back, I do not hate the idea of Miro taking four to six weeks off to heal his injury, coming back and just tormenting Daniel Bryan, or I'm sorry, Brian Danielson moving forward, (laughs) like him, just beating him up in the locker room, beating him up backstage, beating him up in the ring. Like he cannot believe Brian Danielson took that title opportunity away from him. And is going to now try and ruin his life. Sign me up for that any day of the week. I'm a happy girl.
0: <laughs> Imagine if his wife does show up. That I come mean, on, bring it on. I would love to see her in AEW. What right? they could do.
1: And I think I think Miro losing would make sense for that story. Like she comes in to get him back on track, I think, is something that's really cool. Um, so I mean, there's that's what's really fun when you tell stories this way. There's like eight different ways things could go, and a lot of those options are going to be really quality stories. So that's fun.
0: <laughs> How long are we going to be confused by Brian Danielson? Oh my god!
1: You know what? It's just so close to Daniel Bryan. Like usually when someone changes names,
0: I right. feel like
1: they're it's it's different enough that you like might switch back and forth but like rusev and Miro are not close to each other in any stretch of the imagination daniel bryant and brian danielson being so close is definitely going to continue to trip me up for a while
0: you should <laughs> you should be called hens caitler just to, there you
1: go and just i should switch it up right
0: i should be bag donuts bat joey or so, joey joey ba- something like a ba- i don't bag joe I- you
1: know what uh <laughs> is actually kind of cool about that though is i remember hearing a story where when brian danielson was in nxt they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do with his name and william regal just switched it to daniel Bryan because he was like that's something that fans can chant and i thought wow what a there's a reason william regal's really really good at this like oh yeah daniel Bryan is something you can chant until the end of time brian danielson a little bit trickier different crowd but i thought what a what an organic way to just kind of tweak something, but still make it kind of fit what you're ultimately aiming for. So a fun little Brian Danielson, Daniel Brian fact for all you listeners.
0: <laughs> I, now when I think of, uh, uh, him, I think of Alex's amazing impression of him.
1: Oh my um, goodness. The best.
0: <laughs> I, I just real quick. The, uh, the night that Tony D'Angelo uh, debuted in NXT and you guys did your, you and Alex did uh, the thing. I think that ran about what, two and a half, three hours or whatever. Yeah. That was one of the best things I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> was, thank oh, you. Oh my God. It thank was amazing. Thank you so it was,
1: much. Oh, I appreciate that. B- For those B- of you who, who don't know, Joey is very nicely putting over my, uh, my Tuesday night show with my absurdly skilled and wonderful and amazing co-host Alex Palowski, who, uh, brings an incredible energy. I keep saying he's like, almost like wrestling Lewis black, like it's called sour grabs. There's a lot of things that we pick apart, but he's also great at providing alternative ways. Things could have been booked or other ideas and bringing those to the table, but he has become kind of this wheel of impressions as well. And one of those impressions is, is William Regal. And, Tony D'Angelo, who's basically NXT's Tony Soprano, the night he debuted. Yeah, I think we did a three-hour show. Oh, and then Sean Sean was very excited because the engagement stayed almost three hours. But then a couple weeks later, he was like, can we like maybe keep it to, to two hours? Because he has to edit that. that <laughs> he has to edit that, and he does it before he goes to bed. Um, and it's ridiculous. It's a two-hour wrestling show. I think we should be able to maybe keep the review to two hours as well. <laughs>
0: Alex does amazing impressions, but when you did the, I don't, I don't let's call it Long Island housewife or whatever.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. His little mobster girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Very Marissa Tomei. Very, my cousin. Very.
0: Yeah. It's very, very. My father was Tomei, the so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, See. I think, I think every, no matter where people live, I think they suppress the, the accent of where they live, but anytime they want to bust it out, boom, they, they can oh. bust out the accent. of that. Well, I'm a
1: weird amalgamation. Cause I'm from upstate New York, true upstate New York, not what New York city calls upstate New York, but Binghamton, New York, um, which is. Uh, weirdly has like this Midwestern thing. Like it's all very flat A's. And then I lived in Jersey and New York city for my entire adult life. So I just. Pieces of both will just pop out at the weirdest times. Like I've caught myself saying hysterical, which sounds like all of my aunts that grew up in New Jersey. And then there'll also be times where I say like, thanks with just the flattest A's. And I sound like a a mom from Chicago. It's just very, very odd what a- What comes out of my pie hole sometimes?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Express and Christian Cage versus Super Click. This is another one. I mean, we this wasn't going to be a technical masterpiece. It was going to be just a false count anywhere spot fest, but it was still good. And I, I think Luchasaurus really stood out in this thing.
1: Yeah, when you're like 75 feet tall and do a shooting star press off of a ramp. I, <laughs> There's Amazing. something really just incredible. He, it's, his name is Luchasaurus. It's a gimmick, but like he is this behemoth of a man who can do these insane luchador moves. Like it, it makes absolutely no sense that he's physically capable to do what he can do. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I, this was a little long for me. I liked a lot of the storytelling that happened with Jungle Boy though. We've, I think, started to see him become a jungle man he's got his beard now um I loved that the faces showed up in street fight attire and the heels showed up looking like they fell out of a Pepto-Bismol jar like you show up to a street fight with a pink dyed beard and a pink dyed mustache like what a what a fun stupid heel absolute blast this could have just been shorter for me but I thought it was kind of fun that they had like a comedic match with hardcore spots. Like that's a pretty rare thing that I think you don't see a ton. I loved everything that happened on the ramp though. Ramps like that make me nervous. Cause I feel like they're very easy to fall down on. Um, but, uh, so some really great spots, some really great storytelling, Christian and jungle boys mentorship continues to be a, a very fun piece of storytelling for the, different colors that christian seems to throw into it sometimes it feels like he's hinting at heel things like trying to get his wrestling son to hit someone with a concerto real hard him not wanting to do it and then coming back at the end and saying like no 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 i've got this like they could do so much with this and with all of the debuts this year it's very easy to let christian get caught in in the background a little bit because we saw Danielson and Sam Punk's return to wrestling and Cole. But guys like Christian, guys like Matt Seidel, I think, is another kind of unsung hero, Christian being a couple levels up from that. But these guys who are there, not to probably go on any real long title runs, but to just share their ability and wisdom and to add this extra seasoning to these stories from being so experienced and doing this for so long really really great balance of what AEW is doing right now with these seasoned veterans and these young kids and how often they get paired together by way of doing things in stables so much but also I think with great intentionality of they've identified Mike's skills as a, a weakness of Jungle Boy's okay well how do we double down on his strengths let's put him in the ring with Christian who's been telling in ring stories for 20 years and can speak for him when he needs to and help guide him along that piece of the path. Like just really, really smart, um, talent usage by AEW. This match was great. It was, it was silly. It was a little long, a lot of really fun spots. I loved the tacked knee knee pads for the BTE trigger. Um, Adam Cole has so seamlessly, Fit into what AEW is doing for A, I think his real life history there, but like a lot of people forget that he hasn't played in front of large crowds. He had only been in NXT in the pandemic era, right? So arenas is not something he was used to delivering at, and you would never know it, man. He is just, he is just so cool. He's like a top heel, but you cannot pop, you can't not pop at his entrance. Like he's just, can't help himself would be really, really cool. So uh, a lot of really fun things here. I just wish they maybe shaped a little bit of time off of it, but why not? It was a blasting so different than what came before and what came after it. Very, very fun.
0: God, I would love to see a jungle Boy Adam Cole feud. I don't I don't know. Have they have they fought each other yet? I'm not sure.
1: They did one singles match. I think I think a feud is inevitable at some point but between the two of them, like a really long program. With both of them at some point is going to be fantastic.
0: And what I love about someone like Luchasaurus is he's like six-five. And most of the people in AEW are I don't want to say
1: short. <laughs> short. They're, 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 yeah. they're
0: the shorter side.
1: So, I'm w- They they stand head to head with me or shorter sometimes. Like it, yeah, it's <laughs> um, they're great professional wrestlers. They don't care that it's they don't look like bodybuilders. It's cool. Like I mean,
0: because I think Lucha Choros was in WWE. A six five guy in WWE then means nothing because they're all six five. Yeah. But but when you have a tall guy with a bunch of shorter guys, he looks much bigger. And yes. It's like, how did, how did WWE miss with this guy? A a big guy that could do shooting star presses. Are you kidding?
1: I don't, I, there's some things that I assume that people who are much more nuanced in WWE and what they're looking to do, um, have a better understanding of what they're looking for in talent. Cause there's some people that I just, I don't understand how you miss and we'll talk about him shortly. I don't understand how you miss Malachi black. Yeah. I, I,
0: yeah. I
1: all you have to do is go okay, because that guy is like the most nuanced storyteller with the clearest vision of who he is in the world. His striking ability is absurd. He's great in the ring. Like um in in interviews and what everybody's had to say about him. He's like the nicest dude in the world. I just uh it it his his debut in AEW has been so perfect up through this and he's so cool
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> that it, it blows my mind that you you can miss with someone like that but they're they're looking for oh. a specific thing with a specific audience i guess and and that's what they're up to over there and look it's it's drawing a million and a half people on mondays and two million on fridays so god bless them. but i just um he, he's he to me was the perfect microcosm of how did you screw this guy up? Cause from what everybody has basically said was that Tony Khan was like, okay, yeah, go do that. Like he just, he came in and was like, this is exactly what I want to do. And they were like, all right, let's create a, a program around yeah. your insanely clear vision of who you are and what you're doing. Like, um, and I, 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 I can't gush enough about what that guy has done and, um, he just loves, there's so many guys in AEW that just love pro wrestling so much. Like FTR is is so in love with tag team wrestling. It's so obvious from their presentation, Malachi black, making his eye get more and more dead every week. That is a love letter to professional wrestling. Like it's, it's so clear how many of these guys want to do that. And how many guys here want to help the younger talent Along with that, like he spoke at at length about that in his uh, Talk is Jericho interview. If you haven't listened to it, I put it over all the time. Malachi Black on Talk is Jericho is one of the the best podcast episodes you can listen to to get a sense of how incredibly cool and selfless the guy behind this Creepy ass character is so, but anyway, we can go back to talking about the pay per view instead of me just of Malachi Black.
0: <laughs> it's 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 one of the first things I look for is his eye whenever I see Malachi Black on TV. It's it's so cool, it's so cool. Yeah, let's 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 talk about that. Cody Rhodes and and Pac versus Malachi Black and and Andrade. We knew this was. I mean, I'll anything involving Pac. Malachi Black and Andrade, you know, is going to be good. So it was good, but yeah, it was just, it, was, it was, I, I'm a big fan of Pac and I think he's been kind of um, uh, pushed aside or, you know, I, I think Pac could, could have a more prominent role in this company. And I think some things, you know, because of the pandemic and stuff kind of held them back. But I, I, like I said, any, any one of these guys could, can be pushed to the moon
1: absolutely so uh with him specifically too he's so great and he has had some start and stop syndrome for a few reasons one the pandemic and he's based in the UK so literal travel was just an issue for part of this and he was injured for a little bit but um one thing AEW in my opinion is really great at is turning up gas on guys when you want to heat them up and he's one of those guys who's so good such a professional like you can do that with um I, this was, this match could have been on dynamite. Like this, this was a great match between the ropes for a lot of it. I was really <laughs> nice to see Andrade do something. Um, but I just, I don't, I'm not sure why this match was really happening. Like there's not a story here. I'm a little confused by the booking. I think you really need to start getting Andrade some wins. It feels a little odd to have gone from the singles match between Pocket and Andrade and then reverse engineered it into like this tag team thing when nobody here is really tag teaming. There were some more flares of what I think might be more heelish behavior from Cody Rhodes. I loved the spots where um, Cody and Pac were just involuntarily tagging each other in and out of the match. I thought that was so fun and creative and great storytelling. Um, Not to AEW's fault, but to pro wrestling's fault overall the trope of can they coexist has gotten so beaten into the ground again, not their fault. Cause I don't think they've really ever done it yet. Very much, at least not a lot. And, but
0: WWE it, it, does it every week. That, so it's done to death.
1: Exactly. So when you watch as much wrestling as you and I do, or people who are just taking in as much wrestling as they can, you know, I have seen that story so many times I was kind of bored by it. And can you coexist is actually a great trope in wrestling when it's it done is. Right. Yeah. It's, it's perfect, but and it was
0: well done here.
1: It was well done here. It just was. I was like, when you have a nine match card and you're snapping something together so fast and not like they snapped Eddie Kingston and CM Punk together so fast. Like this felt very, just like, Oh, uh, we got to get these guys on the pay-per-view kind of thing. Like how are we going to go two pay-per-views in a row without having Malachi black on, are we ever going to do anything with Andrade? It kind of feels like they just picked four wrestlers out of a hat and and threw this together. So I didn't love it. I loved a lot of the stuff that happened between the robes. Andrade is one of the most effortlessly cool people in the world. I don't know if there's anybody more poised in wrestling to lead a stable than Malachi black. If he wants to do house of black, I selfishly am hoping Brody King from ROH comes over since they were all just released. That would just be fantastic. That would be cool. Um, and Cody did his thing, and, and Pac is just one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. So by no means was it a bad match, it just was the the one that made the least sense to me. And I also think I, I also think it was booked wrong. I think Andrade really needs to start racking up some wins because he's an absolute star. If yeah. they've they've really not given him a lot to do i do think rick flair was eventually going to come in and manage him or at least make some appearances but obviously with what came to light in dark side of the ring Todi khan decided to steer clear of that if that was the case but i think that's why we've had so much managerial turmoil with with andrade and in, in the early going here but um I have a lot of patience for a W because I, I get rewarded when I have it. Like I'm, I'm sure they're going to find some great programming for these guys. They do it with everybody else. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what's next, but as far as matches that were on the card, I was like, this could have been the buy-in or just not been on the card.
0: <laughs> in, in WWE, they say, let it play out. And you usually get disappointed, but when in AEW, when they say, let it play out, it actually actually pays off, but uh, Right <laughs> Cody, they just, I mean, I like that he's aware that people hate him, but still, like, dude, what are, what are we going to do with Cody?
1: I don't understand. If you look at his wins and loss record, this guy loses all the time. If they didn't like the the promo he gave, if they felt like that was white knighting racism, I, I get that. Um, But this narrative that Cody constantly puts himself over is just literally factually wrong like if you go look at all he does is losing big spots to people like I well, don't, Matt, malachi
0: black destroy him i mean that was a squash match uh, a few months ago like yeah that's all he does is put people over
1: he puts people over constantly and at pay-per-views and in big spots like go back to the first revolution lost to mjf like He's, he's losing all the time. So I don't understand what that narrative is about. I think people feel like he's inserting himself into bringing new talent over, but like, you're going to do that with the biggest name in the company. Like that just, that just makes sense. Um, but now I think, I think two things happened. One, the AW fans pay attention to little details and at Arthur Ashe, Brandy Rose returned and she came out the heel tunnel. So whether it's their intention or they were just playing into it, now I think people think they're supposed to be booing Cody because she did that. And the other thing that is actually a great thing, by the way, I think people just think Malachi Black's really fucking cool. So when you yeah. have this, like, yeah. this very long feud with a guy, Who's the heel, but he's just so damn cool. So
0: cool, yeah.
1: You're going to innately start booing the person that's up against that guy because right. people really wanted Malachi Black to show up. They were genuinely surprised because WWE screwed up his non compete 30 day versus 90 days. So it actually caught people off guard that he was there. Um, and he his presentation is just so badass that, like, you're just gonna boo the other guy anyway. So that's a wonderful issue. I do think they're going to turn Cody heel. And I do think Cody's going to give an all time promo and people are going to be laughing at themselves because I think he's going to give a promo that says, I created this place for you. I gave you you. everything you could have wanted and then he's going to turn heel and we're going to see kind of more of that reminiscent ROH Cody run that he was on. And I think that promo is going to be one of the best promos you've ever seen in your life. So I hope they go there with it.
0: The story is right there. He created the company. It's like, you're turning your back on me. I built this. I am, I, this is all because of me. But you, how great is
1: that as a <sighs> slow, how great is it to expect cheers and get booze for the next three months until he just loses his mind? Yeah. Because that, that John Cena thing where Cena got booed for being good at his job for like literally years is actually something that should be a heel turn device because that's right. there that's such a powerful story and people are like why haven't they turned him heel why haven't they turned him heel because let him get booed for no reason for three months let that build up because that's just going to be amazing when that happens like i i'm i'm totally for that like let that happen all day
0: <laughs> when the stories are natural and organic and it just right there happens you best just thing. go with it it's the best you, thing you in wrestling i swear yeah yep uh Britt Baker versus Ty Conti Uh, I I I don't want to say I was surprised by Ty Conti how how uh well she did uh I think she's just getting better but this is just this is just good and solid and there were some really good spots here
1: she part of why I think people were caught off guard by how well Ty Conti did here um they built her to be a star and then because you're getting limited amounts of women's matches they go away like they go to aw dark and dark elevation which is good and bad because things like this can surprise you which is great um that i had some complaints about this match just some spots that i thought weren't working very little things like um her being surprised every single time a champion kicked out Now that's a great story because here's the thing. Tay used pretty much every finisher she had. So she should be surprised when somebody kicks out of your finisher, but like Brit's also a champion, little things like that. The growth of this women's division has been incredible. I loved the presentation of Ty Conti going into this, her coming out. She looks like UFC fighter with, with the braids and with her, her flag. I thought that was such a nice homage to her very real um, MMA background or I think judo background specifically. Um, I, I loved how much of a big fight that felt like. Britt ba- Baker has never once missed finding a hard cam in her life. I, it's so, it's insane. It's her superpower. It's her superpower. It really is. She finds it every single time and not in this like, uh, unless it's intentional, not in this, I'm looking at the camera way. She'll do that when the lockjaw's locked in or whatever. Um, I did like the story there where uh, Ty kept escaping the lockjaw. Like there were a few times she went to lock it in and she kept getting out of it. Um, and Britt's cockiness almost cost her in the match. There were times where she could have just got in for the pin, but wanted right. to submit her and, and it screwed her over a little bit. But um, my only thing was that this felt uh, very predictable. Like I think the handwriting's on the wall for Thunder Rosa to eventually be the one to dethrone Britt. It would be nice if they extended a feud instead of had this like challenger of the month club situation so that you could cast some doubt into it. But um, this women's division has really come a long way. I'm really happy to see how incredibly slowly, but ever so surely, we're seeing tremendous growth from the roster and continued growth in them telling more stories like we're seeing stories actually unfold in the tournament which has not happened before in the women's division the tournaments were used to shotgun a winner and nothing really happened um and we are seeing with the addition of rampage more women's matches and we're seeing them earlier in the card the past uh, couple of dynamites which is nice they're not in that same like death slot kind of moment so um i i'm glad to see the growth match was really good i think the one at all out between statlander and and Britt baker was a lot better but um i i i'm very very encouraged by the direction that the women's division is moving and take conti's the star and just so damn likable like how do you not love that girl like she's she's beautiful she's always dancing on aew dark like what a what a perfect uh face and heel story that you had here
0: yeah 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 yeah. it's you're right. It's like, what's, and you know what, if you have a, you know, a, a champion losing just out of nowhere, it just adds to the suspense, but you know, it, it just, you know, it's like the Steelers losing to a really bad team or something like that, or, or also I'm sorry, a really good team losing to a bad team at football, you know, it, it, it makes it unpredictable and yeah, it would be nice if there was a little, uh,
1: Just just a little intrigue too. Like if they had built, I almost wish that again, this is me handcuffing myself because I want to see more women on my television. But if you had just done, if you had worked out a program where Ruby Soho does sneak a win against Brit on a random dynamite, Brit can't handle it. And then Brit still retains, but you've at least been like, well, Ruby Soho is a top talent. Like at least then I'm wondering, at least I'm, I'm not totally sure where this, this was at least built up they did create a story here but it was done through like a lot of multi women um matches which is still a great story but is what it is like there was just no doubt in my mind but that's considering where the women's division was six months ago even I'll take that you know what I mean we're gonna get there um and I think the the Baker reign has been a very healthy thing for for all of women's wrestling never mind just AEW in general
0: yeah yeah Eddie Kingston CM Punk oh boy oh boy i <laughs> eddie kingston has to be the surprise of i don't know the decade just his uh, that that article on him or actually by him was on the
1: players tribune yeah, yeah.
0: Amazing. I had no idea he was in that place. And because I really didn't hear from him uh, about him, you know, before he was on AEW. And, you know, and, and hey, you know, you, you know, people trash, you know, Cody or whatever, but, you know, Cody's the one that, you know, I guess heard of him or whatever, or, or let him talk or let him, you know, shine. Amazing. Whenever, you know, Eddie and, and Moxley and now Eddie and Punk, nobody delivers a promo and can have a feud with someone like Eddie Kingston.
1: It is. So <laughs> I started watching wrestling in 2009. CM Punk was my favorite wrestler. Um, and then he left. And then when Eddie Kingston was on my radar he became my favorite wrestler and so for me this was my favorite wrestler since i'd started watching and my favorite wrestler since that guy left um and like a lot of people and and punk doing those damn five moves of doom to start those <laughs> shoulder blocks and him raising the five duckle shuffle and then and then giving a middle finger on top of that um eddie kingston is someone who worked I think for 18 years who sincerely was going to move back in with his parents and was selling his wrestling boots and if you read his article on the player's tribute what's incredible was when he got booked for AEW for Cody Rhodes open challenge for the TNT title he was just he said he was just numb like he was like oh cool I can pay my mortgage it wasn't like I get to be on TV he was like great I can pay my mortgage he never thought anybody was going to view him as someone that could be a wrestler on a major television program. A, I think, because he paid his dues and felt like he got nowhere and B, because he's an edgy dude and he's a little different and doesn't necessarily have a professional wrestler look, which a lot of guys on AEW don't. And, And it didn't seem like it occurred to him that this opportunity was going to be something he could get signed off of. When you go back now and you watch the promo that he cut on Cody before that match um you realize that he's just one of the most just one of the most skilled people to ever do this on the mic partly i think because everything he says sounds organic like nothing (laughs) he hasn't (laughs) been adulterated by the wwe um rhythm and promo style which you actually see in aew sometimes punk still has a little bit of it in him mjf kind of leans into that style and that works but eddie kingston has this incredible ability and we saw it here To And and this was, what, a two-week build? Make it feel so vicious and personal. yeah. Like, so vicious. He came in as a heel. He turned face. I guess technically he's a heel right now, but everybody absolutely loves this guy. And him telling the story of him having to control his rage until he gets to the ring. Like, he's doing everything he can not to kick your ass outside of the opportunities he has to kick your ass. Um is so powerful because like even in his promos, you can you hear his voice get quiet and you know that's a guy who's just trying to like keep it in until he can actually throw fists at you. Like this was not um and, and not to say punk is one of my favorites of all time. He was great on the on the mic this whole time too. But part of this I think was CM Punk throwing up softballs for Eddie to hit out of the park. Like the they created a 16 year history that they don't really have that much of in a matter of two weeks. <laughs> These guys didn't face each other on the Indies. They didn't really share that many locker rooms, but they, they told the story of punk being the guy to hold Eddie back and punk being the guy to recognize what Eddie had in him, but that Eddie chose not to fulfill his potential. Like what a personal story and what a, uh, I, I was concerned about this match because the promos were so good and Um, in ring, I didn't know what they were going to do. I didn't know if they were going, it makes me very nervous when matches feel this big that people are going to overreach and they just didn't. I loved this. I loved that CM Punk didn't stop on the ramp to do his it's clobber in time. Look at the watch that he just came in ready to, and he came to the ring fast. Like they were just ready to have a fight. And again, something that felt so different than anything on the card. This felt extremely personal. This is how you build a feud that feels personal without any weird stipulations, without any titles involved. These are just two guys that wanted to go out and kick each other's ass. And it, it worked for me. It really, really did.
0: Every wrestler needs to look at this match and this feud and these guys and say, Okay, yes, it's important to do cool moves and it's important to, to wrestle, but the psychology and the emotion are so important too. And I mean and this match told a story, you know, as even before the bell, he just smacks.
1: Oh my god, that, punk that was the story. That yeah. right there was the story. I don't give a shit whether or not I went or lose. That was actually how I yeah. figured punk was gonna go over. This was another one that I felt like maybe they'll swerve us. This could swing either way, but when in their promos, Eddie Kingston said, I don't care if I, I win or lose. I want to put you back into retirement for another seven and a half years. Like then I was like, all right, punk's going to go over because Eddie doesn't need a victory. He just wants to beat the hell out of this guy.
0: Right. right. Who are
1: the best in ring storytellers to do this? Like, and by the way, they both can go, but the dominating thing here was every facial expression, every single movement, every single spot was set up to tell this story. Eddie Kingston, just like sticking his tongue out, punk busted open, Um, (laughs) Eddie Kingston doing the, like, go to sleep hands motion and then doing like a jerk off symbol. Um, I loved punk doing the five knuckle shuffle in the middle finger. That is just like a spot that will and Eddie giving it back by the way. Um, just so different than anything else on the card, way different than anything punk has done up to this point. Right. Like, I think that was important too. This is like the first wrestler of the same experience level that we've seen punk go against i wouldn't hate them running this back but if they just leave it here so that they can go pick on that when one of them has a title or at some point i'm fine with that like this was so different and and so like special to me as a fan because this is when i heard punk was coming back i was like please god get him and eddie kingston on the mic together in the same ring just gangbusters absolutely loved this
0: I kind of wish it was a, a longer build up and more than more than just two yeah. weeks. I kind of wish it was like several months because it just just imagine the promos they did they could have done on each other just the whole time. Just
1: <laughs> and I think I think it is because I think I don't know if this is gonna be a story that okay, then they do a return shot and they have a best of three series. I think the next time the story picks up is going to be Eddie Kingston, TNT title holder or CM Punk world championship holder. This story is not done, but just that doesn't mean that the story is going to continue right now, but the, the vitriol that they were able to build in those two weeks, eventually we are going to get that longer burn. I just think it's going to be for a title. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope it's with a heel punk and a Kingston face. Like, I think that's, what's going to happen is everybody loves Eddie Kingston and the money in CM Punk is with him as a heel. If you have CM Punk as a heel holding a title and Eddie Kingston as a face coming for that title, holy effing S that's going to, that's going to be amazing.
0: You know, it's coming, you know, the CM Punk heel turn is coming and you know, it's going to be amazing. You know, they're going to have some amazing story. Why? And it's just going, it's going to be cool because I mean, It's cool. We're still in the CM Punk honeymoon period. It's like, yay, he's back. And it's cool. Let's, let's, okay, let's keep it going. Yeah, it's still cool. I'm still excited when I see him and when I hear the music. But at some point, let's get him a real program, a real story, and really (laughs) unleash him and see what happens. It's going to be fun.
1: A good step in that direction because this wasn't Happy Go Lucky Punk the whole time, right? Like this was Eddie Kingston had to be the guy to. To start to get that honeymoon to wane a little bit because that's he got under punk skin, you know what I mean? So I'm hoping that what we get is a CM Punk heel turn straight edge guy versus a drunk cowboy Adam Page. Like, come on.
0: Interesting. How
1: fun is that gonna be Interesting. at some point?
0: Right. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, inner circle versus men of the year American top team. Like, okay. I yeah. wasn't expecting much and it was what it was it was okay uh, you
1: weren't expecting much and it met those expectations that's how yeah, I thought about
0: it yeah uh, Baron Von Raschke just just, I just thought that was the funniest thing ever that, like,
1: was, that was a nice I'm
0: like he's still alive are you kidding he's he's yeah, he's, he's alive 100 years old he's yeah. not, the key it looks key, great the, the key to life is always look old so that when you are old
1: the then differential's not. It's there okay. Either. It's okay. okay. So,
0: uh, yeah, it's it was what it was. Like, okay. I mean, there were some cool spots.
1: I hated it. I hated it. I think this whole angle sucks. Um, I have not liked any of this. I here's the things that I didn't really like about this match. Additionally, there were some cool spots. Right, we saw Sammy basically do a Swanton bomb off of the ladder. Some cool stuff at the beginning. Um, I was told not by like anybody other than the internet. Um, but I was told by people that Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky were too cool for people to boo them. So they put Dan Lambert on them. So the big payoff to all of that was them having a somewhat comedic fight here. Like I, if, if the point of it was to get real heat on somebody who threw Darby Allen down concrete stairs, yeah, I think he was getting heat just fine. I just don't understand why it was Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Like, they're two of the best promos anyway in this. And I also hate that Paige Van Zandt didn't get her revenge on Jericho at any point for, like, all of the names that he called her and stuff. So, and wasn't involved, because to me, she's she's the breakout of that. If there's something yes. good that's come out of it, it's that Paige Van Zandt, if she wants to, um, could absolutely in the women's division could absolutely ballet yes, for please, people she please. is an absolute star but I didn't like this match it's kind of fun they like it was a Minneapolis street fight and what they did was they used instruments that were all made in Minneapolis like uh, a toaster uh,
0: a bunt cake
1: a bunt cake <laughs> fan commentary on this I'll say that too Commentary: Tony Schiavone just being stunned by all the things that was Not made in Minneapolis bundt cake. a bunt cake pan that was amazing. I loved all of that. But this was just like, I I wasn't the audience for this to begin with. And I didn't like the execution in the match. And I didn't feel like the story got, um, I'm glad the, the faces went over. Cause I think maybe that means this is ending, but I think um, you, like I, I wanted Paige Van Zandt to to get a moment and I don't feel like anybody was made a star in this match. And I think the inner circle is just fully holding back people instead of pushing them forward. Santana and Ortiz should be tag team champions or at least in the picture. Sammy Guevara is not defending his title because he's caught up in this crap. Like move on. I'm very, very over this. And also didn't need this on this card at all.
0: The whole point was that the beat up Dan Lambert. Okay. It's done. Let's let's move on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't need to do that for like six months.
0: Yeah. Um, And then the main event, Kenny Omega versus Adam Page for the title, is delivered. We had high expectations. It delivered. I I loved it.
1: I love how much people psyched themselves out into thinking that AEW is just a promotion that isn't going to give people what they want. Like, so many people were like, Omega's still going to come out as champ. Like, no! AEW doesn't do that, so um I obviously the big thing here to me is that Adam Page walked out you're a champion. Um AEW is very good at booking heat on characters and not heat through booking, where other promotions take a different approach and all of their baby faces are built through their own bad booking. Um this has been one of the best stories told in pro wrestling ever. I think it's fair to say. I think it's actually fair to say that is one of the best pro wrestling stories that ever told because it there's never going to be a situation. I don't think, who knows? The wrestling landscape is wild where the, the history of it starts before the start of the promotion. Like what yeah. an incredible thing that the story is rooted and they kind of picked up the story as to where it started in AEW, which makes sense. But the real story of of this was before this promotion ever existed and it's been built over the past two years two and a half years perfectly um and the only thing that was kind of a hiccup in it was I think they wanted to resolve it sooner but Adam Page in real life had a kid right so what an incredible um execution and what an I loved that this card had something that felt insanely personal that got built up in two weeks by Eddie Kingston and CM Punk And then something that has been unresolved for two and a half years. That is so special to have those two things in the same company and exhibited a match apart from each other on this card. Like, how cool is that? So um, I just, so many of, and and a great match. This was a little different than I thought it was going to be. It was a lot um, a lot more plotting. This was a New Japan match. I said it when I was in the movie theater to who I was with. I was like, oh, this is a New Japan match on AEW television, which you can tell because people got dropped on their head and uh, the neck bumps that people took in some of these spots. I think a lot of people thought that the story here was going to be Adam Page being the first one to kick out of the one-winged Angel, which is not what happened. Kenny kicked out of his own finisher, I'm wondering if that's something that they save for Kenny Omega and Okada eventually, since we are leaning into so much new Japan talent right now. Um, but what a, what a great match. What a great way to resolve an incredible wrestling story, probably the most dominant one. And it's such a testament in my opinion to AEW that this is the thing that people cared about the most. And in the time that this has been going on, Brian Danielson has joined the company. Adam Cole has joined the company. CM Punk has come back to wrestling. But I'm telling you, I was in a movie theater full of a bunch of other wrestling marks like me. The thing that got audible reactions was every single near fall in the main event. So you consider that they've brought back the biggest return in wrestling in the past decade, and it's not even close, as big of a deal as Brian Danielson is coming back to wrestling and as much of a better wrestler as he is between the ropes. Sam punk coming back to wrestling is by far the most persistent narrative over the past 10 years whether you like it or not um, and the biggest deal that his return has over 10 million views on YouTube um like all of that happened and in a relatively recent time frame and the thing that people cared about was the story that unfolded in the main event what a beautiful beautiful like testament to how they told the story in professional wrestling, like just so, so well done.
0: I was so happy. I was so happy that he won and, and, and I expected it. And I was still so happy. It was kind of like when, when Kofi beat Daniel Bryan. And I think that was WrestleMania a year or two ago. It's like, I was just so happy for him.
1: Yes. It's like in in WWE, the new day is one of the few situations where we consistently get what we want we got a biggie title ring we got kofi mania we've got nick xavier woods with king of the ring and it's just so great because and and sean at fightful says it all the time that predictable isn't bad when it's good if the story is still there i'm still gonna be emotionally invested um so it's just yeah i i think everybody wants to see Everybody likes the happy ending. The Dark Order coming out at the end to celebrate with him. Perfect. Him turning down the Perfect. beer. Um, because he had his friends to celebrate with, his real friends who stuck by him through all yeah. this. Like it's just that's beautiful. It's beautiful when the story everybody has had that feeling. That's what it is. Like, there's such an accessibility there. People have had their backs turned on by people they thought were their friends. People have had the realization that we saw um adam page have with with the young bucks um we should mention that spot too that matt jackson had the opportunity to interfere and turned it down and said like no this is your moment um loved the graphics team who always puts fun things in the lower third of adam page's uh entrance it'll say like adam page and it was like is probably drunk right now or whatever the (laughs) graphics team put we're proud of you which i thought was actually a very sweet thing (laughs) um and adam Adam page is a he's been on a similar journey to everybody else in the bullet club. But to me, he was the guy with the least amount of buzz there was coming in. Cause he's not an EVP of the company flat out. Like right. everybody knew about Kenny Omega and the young box and Cody Rhodes, like, but he's a
0: friend of the EVPs.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think he's kind of like, he's an AEW made star, which I think is really, really fun. And now he's going to, he's your first guy that is like an AEW made star. That's going to hold your world championship, which I think is really, really cool. That's not to say that John Moxley felt like a completely different person than Dean Ambrose did in his title reign. Um, Kenny Omega is, is probably your next closest with that. But I think his legendary career precedes AEW so much that he feels almost like a more new Japan made star. And like people knew about him because of his, his um, matches with Chris Jericho in new Japan. Like a lot of people found out about him that way. Adam Page is the guy who got made in AEW, I think the most. So um, it's going to be great. And he, I don't think needs a year plus long title reign. Like he's a guy that can have something a little bit more transitional because the chase to get the title was so long i don't want it to be something that turns around in two months but like he might be more in that four to six month range because i mean he uh the the story so much of the story was to get to this point i think and i think he's gonna do really wonderful things with this title but like i i think it's gonna be a really great but shorter title range than maybe we've seen so far because of that
0: well, there's so many quality contenders that could that could take it. Yeah. You know, Brian and Danielson, uh Miro, a whole whole bunch of them.
1: Adam Cole. Yeah. Oh man, like <sighs> the guy that came into the super click with Adam K yeah, their entire history. That would be like, amazing. And not to mention, like AEW is getting crowded with top talent, but are you gonna not sign Keith Lee? Are you gonna not? Sign Kevin Owens if Kevin Owens right. come over. Like right. there's guys you're going to make room for because it just makes too much sense. But um, I think AEW has been so wonderful about how they've introduced that talent and in to AEW Br- so far. Bray so, Wyatt,
0: um, Bray Wyatt, he's still yeah.
1: out there. We'll see what happens with him. Um, But like Danielson, he's going to get a title shot, but it's not like he was inserted into a title feud. Malachi Black has been nowhere near a title. CM Punk's been nowhere near a title. Like they're doing it the right way. And in my opinion, I just, I think it's smart to have established talent put over younger talent. It just makes sense for the future.
0: All right. I've set aside the next two hours so you can explain all the places where you, where you are (laughs) doing your thing, where, where can people find
1: you? Oh my God. I, yeah, I can barely keep track of them anymore, but the places that I'm consistently at, at least are every Tuesday after NXT as Joey alluded to before I am slowly dissenting into madness, not that slowly, I guess, with Alex Pulaski after NXT uh, on Fightful YouTube every week on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and with the Mark Order Pod talking all things elite. So if you liked what I had to say about AEW Full Gear, check us out at Mark Order Pod. And then Fridays, uh, I am doing the SmackDown AEW Rampage post show with Sean Ross Sapp, following those programs on Fightful YouTube and guest appearances sprinkled in and out of there. So Follow me at Kate on deck. I see, and you'll see all the places that I go.
0: <laughs> You're amazing on Twitter, also. You're, Thank you. Uh, you you really like to uh, stir the shit as says.
1: <laughs> I turned heel. <teal. laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, but, oh, uh, not really. You're
1: just yeah. I'm a, I'm a I'll call myself a tweener. I was a hardened teal for a while there, and then uh, I turned face for a little bit, but. Guys, it's wrestling. Just have fun out there. Yeah. Just,
0: yeah. Just and be nice.
1: Just be nice and have fun. If you yeah. find yourself getting genuinely upset about wrestling and it's not at um like booking, go for a walk. You know, if it's at other fans or talent, there's a lot of things that are out of their control. Just take a deep breath. Get a glass of water. It's gonna be fine.
0: And stop comparing. Stop. Oh There's God. no WWE AEW war. They're yeah. not. They're 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 friends. They're they're they I don't they know just...
1: how to tell you guys this, but yeah, all the talent is friends with each other basically. Yeah. So stop caring more than they care.
0: This is not. <laughs> this is not the 90s. This is not a, a WCW war. That's not happening. By
1: the way, they were also having a lot of fun. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Relax, it's wrestling.
0: None I, when, of this affects
1: uh, your your health, your yeah. income, your family. Relax.
0: Yeah. When um <laughs> when they did that um that Halloween thing and the uh the Superclip just like Ghostbusters. People said, "Look what Adam Cole has become. He left WWE for this?" What do you mean? They dressed up in a costume for Halloween. What are you for talking Halloween. about? For
1: Halloween?
0: And- was
1: that? Or would you rather him have a, a match where they just put candy or on tables around side the ring. Like, come on. Have fun.
0: Let him be, let him cut his hair and be someone's manager on SmackDown. Oh, wait.
1: Who also has gotten released since. So <laughs>
0: <Bye>. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much. I was so looking thank forward you. to this. I look, like a, always, hey.
1: always enjoy interacting with you on podcasts, on Twitter, in Super Chats, literally any form. I have so much fun when we're in any sort of communication with each other. I, I am so much.
0: I spend so much money on those super chats. Well, I mean, it's $2 a pop. It's not exactly like I'm going broke. But no, but you're like,
1: oh, I want to get my interaction. And I was the same way before I started there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's so much fun. And I, I just remember the first time I saw a super chat, it's like, this is the dumbest thing ever. And now I'm doing it all the time. Oh it's gosh. such a hearing my name on those things is, is the best thing ever. it
1: and it's, I it's that's a huge credit in my opinion To um I'll just put my co-workers over because I super chats could be really boring if everyone at Fightful didn't create a really fun environment for them to be utilized in and I think selfishly um I, the fact I get to do this with Alex Polowski on Tuesdays who's just the silliest and that I got to do this with Sean who's just brings such levity and fun he's so good. to the post no, shows he's, that we're doing. He's,
0: he's so co- good. Yeah,
1: and co- combined with intelligent wrestling analysis, you know, like we we have such a a blast, and um, our moderators work incredibly hard to kick assholes out um, harder than you know because. YouTube actually will catch chats of people being jerks and not let them show and you have to decide whether they go through or not. So there's Mm. an automatic thing that's in there and they still have to go and monitor the regular chat. They work really, really hard to make sure that it's a fun, inclusive environment. Can't put them over enough. So thank you for always participating. It's so much fun when you're around.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, thanks so much.
1: Absolutely. All right.
0: I'll see you.